Welcome to the Publisher Podcast. Well, hey, hey, um, I don't know if you noticed, but I published on Thursday this week instead of a Wednesday. I do apologize for that. I'm kind of still coming out of the um, post-conference coma. What a fabulous, fabulous week we had. It was so much better than I ever even imagined. And um, gosh, I hope you participated in it. If not, I encourage you to check out our events that we have ongoing every month. We do free webinars and paid training workshops throughout every month of the year. Um, And you can find those at womeninpublishingsummit.com forward slash events. Today's presentation is with Nina Amir, who was one of our workshop presenters for this year's conference, but she has been part of the conference for the last couple of three years, I believe, maybe even four. Um, She is a very, she's just full of knowledge, knows so many things. In this particular episode, we talk about a lot of different things to include the importance of craft, but I love Nina's position on this, that even if you're not the strongest writer, you can hire an editor to fix that. But what you have to have more than anything is an idea that is marketable. And you have to have something that people are going to want to buy and read. And of course, you have to be able and willing to do the work to build your platform and to work on yourself as an author. Um, we also talk a lot about blogging to book, what it what it means to start your content on a blog and then put that in a book later, and just all kinds of great content. So I'm sure you're going to learn a lot from Nina today. And again, check out all of our events at womeninpublishingsummit.com forward slash events. If you're loving this podcast, we would love it if you would leave us a great review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are consuming your podcasts and share it with your writer friends. We're trying to grow the the word about this community and would certainly love any help in doing that. Have a great day and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Publish Her Podcast, a place where you can come to get inspiration, motivation, help, encouragement, and support in your journey to write, publish, and sell your book. Hosted by Alexa Bigwarf. Cause I've been where you've been, and I felt what you're feeling, and I don't want to get in your All right. In today's session, I'm very pleased to bring you Nina Amir, who is an Amazon bestselling author of such books as How to Blog a Book, The Author Training Manual, and Creative Visualization for Writers. She is known as the inspiration to creation coach because she helps writers, bloggers, and other creative people combine their passion and purpose so they move from idea to inspired action and achieve more inspired results. This helps them positively and meaningfully (laughs) impact the world. Nina is a hybrid author who has self-published 17 books and had as many as 11 books on the Amazon top 100 list and six on the same bestseller list authorship at the same time, which is a huge accomplishment. Um, As an author coach, Nina supports writers on the journey to successful authorship. Some of her clients have sold 300,000 copies of their books, landed deals with major publishing houses, and created thriving businesses around their books. She's the creator of the proprietary author training curriculum for writers and other coaches. She's also an international speaker and award-winning journalist and blogger, as well as the founder of National Nonfiction Writing Month and Nonfiction Writers University. So y'all, hang on to your hats. We have a lot to discuss with (laughs) Nina today. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for being here. I, I don't even know how we're 
ever going to possibly be able to fit in all that we can potentially talk about in the next hour um, or less. So, well, thank you. Yeah, oh, it's my pleasure to be here. I love talking about this, and I think uh, helping women become authors and getting their voices out there is a really important thing to do. So thank you. Yes. What a phenomenal bio you have. So where did this all begin? So I started writing when I was quite young, probably in maybe elementary school, definitely middle school. I was writing mostly stories about horses because I liked horses. And um, when I got to middle school or to high school, um, I told my mother that I wanted to become a novelist. And uh, her response to that, I think, was very practical. She said, you know, only really, really good writers can make a living as a novelist. And I took that to mean that that wasn't me. And again, I think she was just being practical. She wanted me to be able to make a living. But I took a course in high school then um, on journalism and realized that there was another career that I could have as a writer, which was as a journalist. And um, I'd always loved magazines. I was always reading things like Self and Glamour and reading the, the really the personal growth pieces in that, right? You know, how to be a better in a relationship, how to lose weight, whatever it was, right? So I liked that, that how-to aspect. And so I decided I'd go to college, become a journalist. And so I did. I got a degree in magazine journalism and worked for different some publications and for a corporation. And at one point, I had somebody, a friend of mine, ask me if I could edit a book for him. And I thought about it, and I remembered my college professor, my magazine professor, and he said to me, you can write a book because a book, you know, as a journalist, as a magazine journalist, you have all that it takes because a book is just a string of articles all on right. the same topic put together, at least a nonfiction book, right? Right. So I said cool, I could edit this book because I've edited magazines, I've written magazine articles, I should be able to do this. And I did. And the um, second book that I edited went on to be um, to, to be picked up by Simon & Schuster verbatim um, nice. after I edited it. Yeah, it's still in, in print, has sold well over 300,000 copies. Uh, you can find it in Fireside, uh, they're, they're in print. And then, you know, I went on to edit other books. And at one point I decided I needed to write my own book. And so that was really what got me started. I had already begun my blog, Write Nonfiction Now, which uh, gave me an education, really. I mean, at first I shared what I knew about the industry, and then I began, for, for instance, in November, we're recording this in November, I began to run the Write Nonfiction in November Challenge, also known as National Nonfiction Writing Month. And I began to interview people and have people uh, write guest posts for me. And I would do 30 days of guest posts and you know, ask experts to teach me and everyone else how to succeed at nonfiction writing. And that was really my education, that and going to a particular conference here in the Bay Area, the San Francisco Writers Conference. And I became involved with them and started going every year. They actually gave me my start um, as a speaker. Uh, my first book came out of uh, an idea that you know, from that conference, a speaking opportunity. And um, it's just sort of blossomed from there, really. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you, you talk about a couple of things that I think are really crucial for people to understand. And that is that um, I, I work with so many people that just assume that because they have a good idea and because they've written it, that they're going to sell thousands of copies of their book. But in reality, if they haven't taken the time to grow their craft, if they haven't taken the time to, you know, be involved in things like this, just attending writers conferences and learning, we can all always improve our writing skills. But it it is, it is amazing to me how many first-time writers off, 
off the bat just assume that they're going to be able to write a book that's going to sell thousands of copies that they didn't even have professionally edited. <laughs> right. And this is, a, this is a great point. And speaking from my own experience, so to go back to the novelist part, okay, so a number of years ago now, I can't even remember how long, I decided to do National Novel Writing Month because mm-hmm. I hadn't written fiction in forever. And I wrote a novel and I brought it to this conference, the San Francisco Writers Conference. And um, I had edited it once or twice, but you know, I hadn't spent as much time on it. And, and don't forget that I was writing nonfiction all the time. Right, right. right. <laughs> and so I, you know, delve into something that I really hadn't studied, you know, for years. And um, I pitched this at the San Francisco Writers Conference and won the pitch con. There was a contest that year and I won the contest and uh, got lunch with an agent and all this stuff. And um, every, all the agents were interested in my book. All of them. And I was like, I am going to be a novelist. Finally, I will be a novelist. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be easier than the nonfiction. And guess what? Everyone said, great idea. That's why we loved it. That's why we wanted it. We heard the pitch. We loved it. Great idea. But you need to go back and edit because the, the writing needs some help. The story right. starts too late, blah, blah, blah. Right? So it's like, okay, so that's where craft comes in, right? right? You need to know your craft. But beyond that, you have to understand that there is way more to publishing a book or writing a book and having it published and getting it read mm-hmm. than an idea. Right. So you do need some craft. But remember, I could give my manuscript. I still haven't done anything with it. But, um, well, because it's kind of low down on the totem pole. And right, priority, right. There's other things happening. <laughs> right. But, but I could hand it to an editor and just say, fix it right? I mean, I, I don't have to do it myself. That's why there are editors is because they can fix your writing. You don't have to be a fabulous writer, but you do need a good idea. But the idea can't just be good. It has to be marketable. Right. You have to, Excellent point. <laughs> yes. It has to, marketable means that it will sell. And that's what a publisher wants to know. And I don't care whether you self-publish or you traditionally publish. What you need to dis- figure out is how to create a, an idea, a book idea that will sell and then carry that out. But beyond that, there's a lot more. And, and I wrote the author training manual for this reason, because writers don't get it. Aspiring writers, aspiring authors don't understand that there's way more to being a successful author than just a good book idea. It has to be marketable. You have to have what we call an author platform. You have to be willing to work on yourself because if you're not willing to do the things it takes to be an author mm-hmm. and to succeed, you're not going to succeed. So there's all, and that's just a few of the things, you know, but yeah, so there's way more to it than idea and writing skill. Exactly. That's just the beginning, right? So you, one of the books that you wrote is blog to book. So I'm going to guess, I have not read your book, but I would love to read it. Um, but I'm going to guess that you teach people how to go from <laughs> writing a blog to putting that into a book or how to use their blog to write yes. their book. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Yes. I yes. love this topic. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so yes, what happened was I actually went to a conference where, um, to the same conference, the San Francisco Writers Conference. They asked me to be um, a speaker on a panel. It was my first real speaking gig at the conference. And they, the, the, they knew I'd been blogging. Matter of fact, I had like three or four blogs at the time. And they put me on this panel with some people who were pretty experienced bloggers, like way more successful than me. They had lots of readers. And uh, I noticed that in the description of the, <clears throat> of the uh, session that it said something about blogging books and there was nobody blogging a book on this <laughs> panel. As a matter of fact, most of the people on the panel didn't show up. There were, I think, two of us. Oh, no. Any- yeah, but it was fine. <laughs> anyway, I said, you know, 
I looked at the industry at the time and there were tons of blog to book deals happening. And so that means that there were bloggers who were very successful bloggers. And because of their success as bloggers, they were getting picked up. Mm -hmm. you know, by publishers. Publishers saw their blogs as test marketed book ideas. If they already right. had readers, you know, and were succeeding, then this must be a good idea and they wanted to publish it or publish something related. Well, what I decided was that this idea of blogging a book was a good one because we have to build author platform, right? So for, I'm assuming your listeners know what that is, but you know, kind of a, a built-in readership in your target market for your book so that when it comes out, people buy it. So why not? So a blog is a great way to do that great way to build author platform. But why not just write the book on the blog rather than going back to the blog and trying to figure out how to turn your content into a book when it was never meant to be a book. It was just right. meant to be blog posts, right? Random blog posts. So, so yeah, so the idea here is twofold. One, for those who want to actually write a book on their blog, we plan out the book. We plan out the best book you can write, and then we figure out how to break it into post-sized bits and to leave some off the blog, but to publish a, you know, a, a good bit of it on your blog so that you're building interest for that book at the same time as actually writing it. So everybody complains, you know, I don't want to blog because I need to be writing and I don't have enough time to write, but this is right. how you solve that problem. On the other side of that is the blogger who's been blogging a long time and says, I have all this content. And can't I also do what we call booking a blog? Mm -hmm. Actually, it's Joel Freelander con uh, coined that term, book a blog. And so that's to take that blog and turn it into a book. But for that, you still have to know what's the best book I could write. Right. And then go back to the blog, find the content, fill in, you know, fill it in where it goes in your book outline, and then fill in the gaps because you will not have written the whole book. And so... So it's two processes. One processes. One is to actually figure out the book, write it on the blog and post size bits. The other is to take previously published blog content, design the best book you can, and figure out how that fits into the scheme of what you need to write. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And I, I actually have a friend who is doing this right now. She is um, a recovering addict and has built a successful blog around sharing her stories of addiction and recovery. Um, and she's currently writing her book through her blog. And the question that we both have is, uh, what do you do once you've written the book on your blog? Do you have to take down those posts? Do you, do you leave them there and publish the book anyway, because there will be added material in your book that's not on the blog? Or how, how do you suggest going about that? Okay, so that's a great question. And um, a lot of this depends on on how you publish, okay? Mm -hmm. So my recommendation used to be that you leave um, about 30% off, 20 to 30% of the content that will be in the book off the blog, mm -hmm. okay? Just so that you entice readers, so that your blogger, you know, your blog readers also, you know, want to see what's new, entices a publisher if you want to go the traditional publishing route. Um, these days, I'm starting to hear different things like, no, you know, 50% or less needs to be on the blog and, mm -hmm. you know, 50% or more off the blog so that there's new content. So things are changing a little bit. I don't know if that's the case with every publisher. Right. So, so that's number one is you have to decide that. But then once the book is published, um, you don't want to take down the blog because that defeats the whole purpose. Right. You don't want to close the blog. You don't want to have to remove that content because, again, that also defeats the purpose. So what you want to do is make sure that however you're publishing, you can leave the blog up. So if you decide to publish with Kindle Select, which, you know, they want you to only sell with them. Right. They do not want free content on the Internet. Right. So they will say you need to take this down. 
So don't publish with Kindle Select. Right. <laughs> don't publish with Kindle. Right. Don't use the Select program. If you publish with Select, I mean with Kindle, what will happen is um, they'll contact you and say, we're reviewing your material. And what that means is they put a hold on your book till they decide that it's your content. Mm -hmm. Because it's out there on the internet. They want to make right. sure you're not taking somebody else's content. So that's a good thing. Right. So that's what they'll do. And then they will say, okay, fine. And you can publish it. Mm -hmm. So leave the blog up. Use it to continue promoting your book. You have built a platform there. You have readers. And so you want to keep using it and, you know, keep writing about this topic so that you keep your readers interested. Yeah. Okay. Right? That's great information. So um, you deal a lot with productivity and coaching people and kind of mindset and, and all that good stuff. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about that because I think that's something that's uh, unique with what you have to offer. So for all those people, you know, we, we hear these stats all the time, 80% to 90% of the world wants to write a book, but it's what, like less than 2% that actually have. So why is that? And, and what, for anybody who's like, I really want to write a book, but isn't just, is finding themselves just having a hard time committing to it. What's, what's going on and what can you offer to them to help? Okay, so this is a great question. And yeah, those statistics, I quote them all the time. There aren't any new ones. <laughs> something like 81 or 82% right. of the American public wants to write a book. So just imagine what it's like around the world. So why do only 2% manage? It's because of what's going on up here. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we, we have all these excuses. I don't have time. I have other obligations. I have commitments. I have my day job. I have my kids. I don't feel well. Um, you know, I don't, I have elderly parents to take care of. Um, other things seem to be more important. Nobody will, uh, nobody will read it. Nobody will like it. I'll be judged. What if it fails? Yeah, this is all going on up here. All of that is um, focus on a future potentiality that may never happen, but we go to the negative. We go to what could go wrong rather than what could go right. And so we have to work with our minds. We have to get out of our own ways and begin to tell ourselves that it could succeed. Matter of fact, it might, you know, very well might succeed. Somebody, we could help somebody or we could tell a really great story people love. Um, uh, and we have to tell ourselves that it's a priority. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I think, the biggest thing is we don't think writing is a priority unless we treat it like a job. And there are people who treat it like a job, but the majority of aspiring authors don't treat it like a job. They don't think it's a priority and therefore it comes last. Right. It oh, always right. comes last. So true. So true. I yeah. find that even with myself, because I'm like you, I write mostly nonfiction, but I really, really want to write a good fiction book. But I don't treat that like a job. I treat that like a passion or a hobby that I'll get to one day. And guess what? It's not happening. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I don't my, treat it like a job, but my nonfiction books, I treat like a job and I'm writing them. So what, right. do, you, what do you say about that? <laughs> well, you, so here's the thing for, for nonfiction writers, this is sort of an easier fix. I think um, the question you have to ask yourself is what would happen if I don't write this book? If it never gets published, what will happen? What will happen to me? But even more important, what will happen to the readers? Because with a nonfiction book, you want to impact readers in a positive and a meaningful way, right? So if you have a book, for instance, to um, help parents, 
with their parenting, right? You say, okay, so who, who wouldn't be impacted if I don't write this book? Well, the parents. No, not just the parents, the children. Mm. the children will be impacted. If you don't write your book, there are all these children who will never be parented in the way you say would be a better way to parent them, right? So when you begin thinking that way, there's a different sense of necessity, different right. feeling of necessity in writing my book. I have to write that book now because all those kids, right? They need this, their parents need this book because the kids need the book. And so you have a, more, you have a, a higher sense of urgency, to do this. We all, I also talk a lot. To, so I'm a certified high performance coach, one of 400 coaches in the world and, um, approximately. And, um, in Brendan Burchard's newest book, I want to just give him credit for this, um, high performance habits. So he's the one who trained me. Um, he talks about necessity and urgency and something that we call mortality motivation. When you think about the fact that you could get hit by a bus tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. and not be here anymore. If your book didn't get written, how, you know, how would you feel about your life? If you were looking back over your life, right, from the other side, you know, how would you feel about it? What legacy will you not have left? Mm -hmm. And then to reverse that, what legacy do you want to leave? What's the impact you want to have on people? Um, so from a nonfiction standpoint, that's really easy. But from a fiction standpoint, the same really holds true. If you want to tell a story that impacts lives, right? then the same, you can apply the same mortality motivation to it, right? You can still think about how it's going to impact people. My novel actually does have to do with parenting and, um, or being a parent, not so much parenting, but how we view parenting and especially as women. And you know, there's part of me that keeps saying, you know, this book really needs to go out. Actually, to be honest, I'm just thinking about it now. So I'm saying part of me is talking to me right now saying, you know, this really could help other people. Why don't you get that novel out there? So I think that's an issue. And even if you were writing romance or thrillers, right. Right. they can all have a message in them that impacts the reader in a positive and meaningful way. And so I think that's what you have to think about. You have to really increase your level of necessity and urgency to write your book. And that's going to make it a priority. Right. I agree. So, um, you know, you mentioned that you're a high performance coach and, and you teach people on these high performance habits. I'm sure that there's got to be a lot of it that is, is very applicable for writers and how, especially if you're working a full-time job and trying to write on the side. So um, what kind of things do you help people do to, to get that high level of performance and get those books written? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. High performance pertains to anyone. And because I work with writers, I created a series of programs, actually, high performance writer, charged writer, that all talk about this. So first of all, we talk about five pillars, clarity, energy, courage, productivity, and influence um, in high performance. And so first one is clarity. If you don't have clarity about why you want to write the book, who you're writing it for, why it should be a priority, all these things, then you're going to struggle. You're going to be floundering around, you know, feeling confused, feeling overwhelmed, all of that, right? So you have to have clarity. Um, ultimately, you have to have a lot of clarity about your project. Right. Like, you know, what, what needs to be written when, how it needs to be written, who you're writing it for, all of that. But you also, you know, just to go back to what we were talking about, the clarity about why you need to write that, why it needs to be a priority, all of that is really important. And so, you know, spend some time journaling. And thinking about it, um, you know, 
ask the questions I asked. What would happen if I didn't write this book? What will happen if I do write this book? Um, you know, who will I impact? What legacy do I want to leave? All of those things. How will it impact my business? Um, any of those questions are going to give you clarity. Um, then courage. So I think that one of the things that really stops most writers is fear. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. So I can tell you I'm struggling with a project. I never strike. Well, not never. I rarely struggle with a writing project and I'm struggling and I know it's all about fear. There right. is no writer's block. There is just fear. And that is again, something going on up here because we're thinking about something that could happen Right. And not what has happened or really will happen. So we have to get into the present moment. So I think for courage, you have to be very present and you have to really be focused on the outcome you want, the result you want, and um, be bold about going for it. I mean, we just have to develop courage. We have to develop that uh, feeling of, um, I'm going to do it no matter what. Right. And, you know, let the chips fall where they may. And because if you don't, try, then you never know, right? So it's kind of like, you know, in November, we're all writing, or maybe not all of us, but a lot of people are writing books in November uh, during the challenges that are out there, including mine. And, um, you know, it's like, just get it down on paper. Just do, just get started because getting started begins to you know, generate some energy for you to keep going forward. And it helps you move through the fear. Right. So that's courage. So then we have energy, which I just mentioned, but energy is about, um, it, it's about coming to your desk with, first of all, positive energy. So you have to let that fear go, right? Because in order to be positive, we have to be thinking about a positive future and what we want to accomplish and all the great things that are going to happen if we write this book, right? But beyond just that that kind of you know, mental and emotional energy that you're bringing, you actually have to have physical energy and nobody talks about that. But you hear aspiring writers say all the time, I'm too tired. Yeah. I work all day or I have kids. I'm too tired to write. Mm -hmm. That's... An excuse. I was going to use a different bad word. But that's, <laughs> uh, you that's, could. We wouldn't hold it against you. <laughs> okay. Well, try not to curse. So anyway, that is an excuse. And the thing is, nobody talks about the fact that you need physical energy to write. Mm -hmm. So you need to breathe. We don't breathe enough. Do breathing, you know, deep breathing exercises. Drink enough water. Your brain cannot function without water and air. Yeah. Okay. So most people don't drink enough. Then make sure you're exercising and everybody's going to go, well, I don't even have time to write. How am I going to have time to exercise? Well, the thing is when you exercise and you begin to have more physical energy and stamina, you're going to be able to do more in your day. Okay. So these are really important things to do. Meditation helps your energy. Um, what you eat affects your energy. So as, this is something we talk about a lot in high performance and this is not talked about in publishing circles. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. it's not. That's why most of us are sitting at our desks and we're overweight, right? Right. Exactly. So yeah. Are you at a standing desk, by the way? It looks like you're standing. I am. Uh -huh. I, I love that. I yeah. had a standing desk and it broke. So I'm back to sitting, but I need to be standing again because I don't like sitting all day. Yeah. Well, when I realized that I was having... Um, uh, circulation issues in my legs, like a lot of, I had, they're covered in spider veins. I was like, okay, I have to do something. And so I don't stand all day, right. but I do stand for all my coaching sessions. I stand for interviews. It changes my energy. Yeah, absolutely. Just st standing is, is just a different, you're in a different mode. Okay. So I said clarity, energy, courage, um, 
productivity. So then that's the other thing from high performance is productivity. So we talk about a lot of different tools for that, like blocking time. So, you know, studies have shown that first thing in the morning, you're most productive, most focused. If you can do that, you know, come in in the morning and write. Um, that's great. If you can't, then you need to block time elsewhere. I have a client. She said, I, I better at night. I said, fine. Then you need to block out, you know, an hour or two at night um, to work on your book. But you have to put it on, on your on your calendar and um, to go back to clarity for a moment. So it's easy enough to put, you know, okay, I'm going to write from 12 to two in the afternoon. Maybe that's your time, right? Right. That's what I'm going to write. And you just write in your calendar, write. That's not enough. You need to no. say write <laughs> chapter three, section two and th two through four, you know, or write blog post about such and such. I mean, you have to be very specific about what you're going to write in that time, which goes to, back to goal setting and that kind of thing, right? Or, and, absolutely. And then the last thing, um, and I know I've gone on about this for a while, but would be influence. So we mentioned platform, but your writing in general, you know, so influence goes to platform, right? We need to influence people to follow us, to buy our books, all of that. But you also need to be influential in your writing. Right. If your writing doesn't influence people to do what you say, if you're writing nonfiction or to, you know, to take up some new strategy or whatever, then it's not going to work. And if you're writing fiction, it still needs to have that uh, believability about it, right? So, so those are the five areas that I cover when I talk about high performance with writers or with anybody. Those are such good topics. And I just wanted to say on the calendar thing, what I've found is that I can go on time block, but if I don't have some kind of accountability for that. So yes, I love your topic of saying, you know, say it's going to be chapter three, subsection, whatever, you know, but then I have to add the next level and I have to surround myself with other writers who are doing writing things. And I have to say, and you know, um, and I have to get an accountability partner that is actually willing to hold me to it and say, you know, okay, get me what you've written by the end of the week. And I do that for some of my clients too, where I'm literally like, okay, it's Friday at two. You were supposed to have this to me today. I'm not their editor, but I'm making sure that they actually right. write it and send it to me so that we can keep them on track. And I think with really super busy people, that accountability, um, it, 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 well, I would say for people like me who are competitive, NaNoWriMo is a fantastic thing for someone like me because I get so competitive and I'm like, what? You've written 10,000 words? Well, I got to get to it. Right. <laughs> so, so that's me too. Yeah. And I did for, for a couple of years, I did a program that I called the Inspired Writing Results Group and it um, was mostly women, actually. Yeah. Actually, it was all women. And uh, I would actually write down their intentions, their goals. Oh, we great. call them intentions. I would write them down every two weeks. I'd say, what are your intentions? And then we would talk about what they accomplished. So first we did the accomplishments and I'd read off all their intentions from two weeks before. Here were your intentions. What did you accomplish? And we'd write it down. And then I'd publish it on the Facebook page for <laughs> a group. Well, it was a group, so it was yeah. private. But um, yeah, for that reason. And they accomplished a ton. Yeah. Because they were being held accountable. Yeah, exactly. Nobody wants to be that one that's like, everybody else has their intentions and their goals met, and then this one person did nothing. <laughs> that's right. So accountability is really important. That's why a lot of people hire coaches. Right. Yeah, they just need an accountability partner. Um, yeah, I mean, even to the, now in November, you know, my, my group, the uh, Write Nonfiction in November Challenge, it's very small, but they have a Facebook page, and the people who are using the Facebook page are accomplishing way, or are in my coaching program for it, are accomplishing way more. More than others Absolutely. because they're in a group 
Yeah, I want to get that information from you too, actually, because I know it'll be way past November when this um, when this airs. But I'd love to share it with my group. Awesome, I'd appreciate you know, that. for this because I have a lot of nonfiction writers. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so uh, let's see. All right, so I normally like to end these interviews with just like the best. Well, you just gave us fantastic tips on the. Um, performance thing, but do you have any additional tips that can help you writers? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a few. Um, I'm going to reiterate a couple in a different way. So the first tip would be to master your psychology. So that's what's going on up here, right? So you need that clarity and focus and positivity as well as tenacity. You know, in, um, in the author training manual, I talk a lot about, um, Uh, author attitude, willingness, optimism, objectivity, and tenacity. So you you need all these things. And it's all about what's going on up here, for sure. And we didn't actually talk about visualization. We said we were going to, but we didn't. So um, my newest book, Creative Visualization for Writers, um, that really pertains to the whole psychology thing. So I'll just talk as a tip, I'll give that. So, you know, try doing some creative visualization. Just get quiet, visualize what you want. Visualize every aspect um, of what it is you want. And um, there are many, many studies that show that visualization helps enormously, you know, in terms of your creativity, in terms of your ability to be productive, all of that. So meditate, visualize. Um, these are really great ways to master your psychology, as well as affirmations will help, and you can use those with the visualizations. Um, so the second tip had to do with mastering your physiology. So really be attentive to your emotional, your mental, your physical energy, and do what you can to raise raise it. So one of the easiest ways to raise your energy before you write is to do a breathing exercise. So you can just um, breathe. Um, most of us want to breathe up here in our chest, but if you put your hand on your stomach and you breathe in and you feel your stomach extend, your abdomen extend, right, then you know you're doing what's called abdominal breathing. And if you breathe that way before you write, so I, I usually have people take 20 really deep breaths very forcefully in and out through the nose. Um, you can do it in and out through the mouth, but um, in any case, oxygenate your body and then drink some water before you sit down to write. A great process is actually to um, do a brief meditation. So just like two minutes, let everything go, set an intention, a goal for your writing period, and then do these 20 deep breaths and then um, trigger yourself in some way. So what I do is I have my clients do 20 deep breaths and we're clapping at the same time. And then at the end, we just clap five more times and we say, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. And it's a trigger right? Because you do it enough and then your psychology kicks in as well. And you know, this is the time to write. So do something like that to master your physiology. You know, maybe you want to go run or walk before you write, but do something so that you come to the desk energized physically. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So the third trip tip was, um, I've already talked about, I was going to talk about uh, mastering your productivity. So I talked about blocking time. So what I, what I'll add to that then is focus and in order to focus, you really have to cut out distractions. And we live in such a distracted society. And I think, you know, we all have sort of developed ADD or ADHD (laughs) tendencies, you know, and it's so easy. I I watched myself yesterday, I was writing, and I got a bit done, and I was kind of in a flow. And then instead of just sticking with it, I was like, oh, email, right? (laughs) You can't do that. 
that doesn't work, right? So you have to just turn everything off and, and set yourself a timer and say, for this amount of time, I'm just writing. And actually using the Pomodoro technique or yeah. anything like that, where you're setting a timer for 30 minutes and high performance, we talk about not working for more than uh, 50 minutes at a, blah, at a time, mm -hmm. just set a timer and just write. Don't edit. Editing is a different function of the brain. You don't want to get into the critical part. You just want to be in the creative part. So just write for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 50 minutes, then take a break. Um, <clears throat> then the last thing I think I would say is just really understand the industry. So we touched on um, the things I write about in the author training manual. Um, I think you really do have to train yourself to become an author. The first part of it is personal growth. It's how do you need to change to become an author? Do you need to um, have more willingness to promote or build platform? You know, is that something you're balking at? Do you need to embrace that in a different way? Um, are you um, not willing to get criticism on your work or not willing to give your work to anyone? You know, so there's that whole willingness aspect, right? Um, that, that can come into how we need to change. Um, we may need to change in other ways. We may need to develop more courage to go out there and speak, right? Or to get on a call like this. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of things that go with personal development that you need to do to become an author. Beyond that, there is the fact that you really need to approach your book like a business. If you were to publish with a publisher, your book would be a profit center for that publisher. And the publisher is not just looking for a good idea, they're looking for the marketable idea, and they're looking for a business partner. Basically, a publisher becomes your venture capital partner. They're putting up the money to help you get your product to market, okay? And they're gonna help you get it to market. But they're looking for someone who's willing to promote, that has a platform, can help sell, all of that, and then they want an idea that's marketable. So spend the time putting together a business plan for your book so that you, and I, and I, I won't go into that here, but um, you can read the author training manual and that's, or go to my blog, so you'll, you'll find lots of information. But uh, yeah, you need to know your market, you need to know the competition, you need to have a, 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 a a platform, you know, looking at your platform and evaluating it all the time. You need to be looking at um, how you're going to promote. All these things go into a business plan. Right. As well as how it's going to benefit the reader and chapter summaries and lots of things. There are lots of things that go in, but you need to approach your book that way. That is how you will succeed. And if you don't do that kind of, get that kind of understanding and training and what it really means to be an author, it's going to be hard for you to succeed. There are not that many books that just, you know, get put out there and suddenly, you know, everybody's right. reading them. Right. So, so those would be my tips. Well, I love that approach your book like a business. It's re it really blows my mind. I, and I mean, it really boggles, boggles me to see someone <laughs> invest the amount of time and energy into a book and then refuse to put any marketing behind it. Yeah. And I, I'm just like, I, I, I don't understand. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand where this mentality is. But then they'll say, well, nobody's buying my book. Well, right. Not. <laughs> of course There's not. 22 million other books for them to buy and right. they can't find yours. Right. Um, they didn't build a platform before because your promotion only works if you have a platform. You have to have someone to promote to, right? Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it boggles my mind too. And, um, and I think the biggest problem with it is that people think, well, there are two things. One, they don't think it's creative. Like doing a business plan for your book, it's not creative. I have an idea. My idea is creative. I'm just going to follow it. Well, the fact is if you go through a business plan for a book, which is basically a book proposal, okay, right. and you can do it for a novel, um, 
if you go through the process and you, for instance, look at your market and you look at the competition, you can put on your creativity cap and say, how can I do a better job of targeting my market? Mm -hmm. Right? How can I make my book better? If I look at the competition, I can say, how can I look at what they did well, what they didn't do well, what they left out, what they didn't leave out, and my project, and now take the best of what I've learned here and creatively figure out how to make my book better, right? And it's the same with promotion. You can make it into a creative process. And that was part of why I did creative visualization for writers, because it was a, a way for, um, to make it fun, to make right. it, you know, all of these things more fun. So yeah, it's, and it's a shame. Don't write that book and put it out there and not do what it takes to get it in readers' hands. That's just a shame. Yeah, it is. Well, it sounds like we all need the author training manual. I'm um, super excited. If the, I mean, you've, you've shared so much information with us today. I just can't even imagine how great it is in a detailed book. <laughs> so, <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, well, I, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. This was phenomenal. Um, I, I, I know that people are going to be reaching out to you to find more information. So where is the best ways, way and place for them to find you? They can go over to ninaamir.com. So that's the hub for everything I do. If you're a nonfiction writer, you might want to go over to writenonfictionnow.com. That's my website there. It's, it's mostly a blog. Um, and of course, there's howtoblogabook.com, which is the other blog on blogging and blogging books. But you can get access to all of that simply by going to ninaamir.com. My books are all available at booksbyninaamir.com takes you over to Amazon. I do have some short books that are only over at ninaamir.com, but most of my other books are, are there on Amazon. And so just go to ninaamir.com and click around. Everything's, everything I've mentioned is there. The high performance coaching, the high performance coaching for writers, the links to books, all of it's there. I love it. Well, thank you so much. You're very high energy. I feel like ready to go breathe and run and write. <laughs> Good. I'm excited. Good. That's, that's why I, you know, they call me the inspiration to creation coach. I want to inspire people to go out there and uh, become their best selves, fulfill their potential and make a difference. So good. Go do it. You do it well. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. It was my honor. Thank you for joining us on the Publisher Podcast. We hope to see you back for the next episode. Great, huge thanks goes to Jasmine Commerce for the use of her song. You can find Jasmine on SoundCloud. Go check out all of her music. We'll see you next time. Don't know 